Hello and welcome to Raise the Room podcast. I'm your host, Danica. Here at Raise the Room, we are trying to consciously raise our kids, re-raise ourselves, and by doing so, raise the vibe of any room we walk into simply with our authenticity. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Raise the Room. I am Danica, your host, and today we are getting up close and personal. (laughs) I'm going to be talking to you about my rock bottom, the hardest time in my life so far. And it's kind of funny. I actually have like quite a bit of shame about what this is all about. As you will hear, I think you're going to hear how um, self-aware I am now and almost, yeah, ashamed of how hard I took this incident because in the world that we live in, this was not a hard thing. This was not a capital T trauma. And so right off the top of the episode, I really want to recognize that I understand my privilege. I understand that I have had an easy life. I understand that my hardships as a straight, white, cisgendered Canadian woman are not the same as other people in this world. Does not mean it was not hard for me. Does not mean that I'm less of a person because of it, but I think it is my responsibility to recognize my position. So hear me loud and clear, I know. Um, Believe me, nobody's more embarrassed about this episode than me. (laughs) But I do also think it's important for me to share. I think some of you are really going to relate to this. And I also think that for my own personal process, it's probably good for me to share because there's going to be some learning in the sharing. I also think it's an important topic to cover because how I view this part of my life now compared to how I viewed it while I was going through it, or even honestly up until a handful of years ago, um, is completely different. Like I can honestly say that it has taken a long time, but in the self-work that I've done, I've gained a lot of perspective and I wouldn't trade any of it. I was meant to go through all of it because it's created the person that I am today. And I can say that most days, sometimes, (laughs) no, but most days I, I am proud of who I am. And I did learn a lot about myself once I finally chose to learn about myself from this experience. So what was it? <laughs> what was this experience? Guess what, everybody? It's pretty pathetic. My experience is that I got dumped. Okay, that's it. That's all it was. I was 20 and I got dumped and it knocked me off my fucking feet. Completely shook the ground from under me. And I will get into just how badly I was shaken by this, but like, let's, let's do some backstory first here. So I think it's important to note that I like grew up chubby, still am chubby, have a lot of body image issues that I definitely will dissect and divulge in another episode, but I grew up with a lot of shadow and shame around not feeling desirable I still struggle with it. It's absolutely embarrassing and I wish that I didn't and like it annoys me to no end. It annoys my conscious brain that 
it's still something that I think about. It's still something that takes space up in my brain because I really don't want it to, but it's there. It's ingrained. It's an old, old pattern. So knowing that, like I had boyfriends in early high school, um, you know, but then in my grade 11 and 12 years, I just was constantly in a position where like I liked somebody that did not like me back. I mean, we've all been there (laughs) and I think we have a skewed maybe expectation of like what relationships look like in high school. I mean, it was early 2000s rom-coms were what I had to go from. (laughs) Not very realistic. Or even when I went on a trip after high school to Argentina, things sort of picked up then. But still, it was always a situation where I felt or I perceived That it was a situation where I was pining after somebody that didn't want me back. And that the people that did want me, I was like, no thanks, you know? So knowing that backstory, I graduate high school, um, didn't see anybody seriously like in my senior years. I was not uncool, (laughs) but I wasn't cool. I wasn't one of the cool girls. I was very much like leadership student council vibes. (laughs) which I think we end up being the coolest later on in life. But um, yeah, like dating, it just, it wasn't even my scene really at that point in time, even though I desperately like as a Pisces just wanted the romance. It's just me. Daydreamy about romance. It is still me. So then I graduated high school, um, took six months just to work and gather money, went and spent six months in Argentina to learn Spanish and like definitely had some experiences there that like built my confidence a little bit. And then came home um, on Canada Day and spent the summer working and then went to university that fall. My girlfriend and I shared a room at the University of Victoria and like I think in the second week or maybe even first week of high school, I meet a guy and like, I, I can't even talk about it now. Listen to me. (laughs) Ridiculous. I was so stupidly like head over heels for him. It was just like a total whirlwind. It was my first time really feeling like I was in love, in love. And yeah, I was on cloud nine. It was that stupid sort of euphoric feeling That I can now look back and be like, it was somewhat of a trauma bond. (laughs) And like, I only say that in that, like nothing against him in that way, but a trauma bond in that like my need to feel desired was feeling fulfilled by him, solely by him. And so there was this experience of feeling loved back by the person that I wanted to love me back for the first time in what felt like a long time. I mean, the first time in my young adult life, for sure. And I still fondly think back in that time in my life because I actually thought I could conquer the world. Like there is nothing like that young, dopey, in love feeling, but nothing could bring me down. It's like literally like, oh, the world could crumble around you if you're still with that person. It's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> or at least that was my experience. So one thing about this 
phase in my life, this lovesick phase, was I was experiencing this new level of confidence. And that was mainly because I really felt like this guy was out of my league. You know, I was like, oh, he's intelligent and he's handsome and he's funny and he's popular. You know, like I genuinely was shocked that he liked me too. And looking back, I can see that as a big fat red flag because when you feel that way, when you're coming from a place of unworthiness, like number one, they can sniff that out on you. Number two, you might start creating subconsciously situations where they're going to feel that way. Like, yeah, I am better than this person. (laughs) Or you start self-sabotaging. Like, I think it's so important that we recognize our value in whatever situation that we're in. Because other people will receive our feelings of unworthiness and insecurity and then we're kind of unfortunately manifesting the outcome that we're the most afraid of. So yeah, part of that phase of my life that felt so exciting and new was like I had this newfound sense of self-worth and desirability that I had been sort of seeking for a long time and it was like, I allowed him to be the answer to that. He was like, well, he wants me, so then I must be X, Y, Z. Which, yo, like, I gave way too much power away. (laughs) Even just talking about this now, it's like such a young girl thing to do. But you put all your self-worth into having the attention um, of this person that you care for and that you really see through you know, googly eyes. Not that they're not wonderful, but it's it's not realistic or grounded, I guess. Um, and it t- immediately puts you at a disadvantage. Not that we're talking about having advantages or the edge or like playing games like that, but it does put you in a position to not show up as your best self, simply put. Okay, so I think that kind of covers a little bit of the relationship and understanding my mindset like it was intoxicating at that time in my life um we spent the first semester together went home for christmas break came back um and then i think it was like end of january or something he came over to my room and was just like i don't want to be in a relationship anymore and it was always one of those things where he really struggled like he came to university not wanting a girlfriend and then we met each other and it was sort of undeniable and so then we broke up but it was never because the feelings weren't there it was just because you know he felt like didn't want to be tied down whatever didn't want that commitment knew he was kind of slacking it at that point in time after christmas because he just wanted the university experience or at least this is my memory of how it went down But it also made it really hard to move on because um, like I felt like, well, if you could just maybe I could be a little bit more relaxed, you know, like cool girl syndrome, (laughs) try and not care and not be annoyed when you don't get invited or, you know, try and be chill about plans or whatever. I felt like I could fix myself to make it work when really he was just trying to honor what it was that he wanted out of his university experience. And that is fine. But when I tell you getting rejected by him like completely ruined me it ruined me at that time in my life I like my mom flew over came to see me like I just spent days sobbing I saw like an on um, campus counselor I just could not get it together I was so 
sad. I was just genuinely heartbroken. And it got to the point where like we were in the same social circle. And so I was just like constantly running into him or hearing about him. And I was absolutely obsessed. Like it was unhealthy how often I was thinking about it and obsessing over the situation. I couldn't get my brain on anything else. Anybody that was in my life at that point in time, that's what we were talking about. Like I was so not fun to be around. Um, and I was not happy, obviously. I was just completely miserable and a big mess. And it got to the point where we were getting near the end of the semester and I needed, I just went home and I was like, I can't go back. Like I signed up for regular therapy, but just being there and then in the environment where I was constantly, like we were both on campus running into each other all the time. It was way too much. So like I dropped out of university. I mean, I didn't drop out. I did like online, <laughs> finished my courses from afar. Um, luckily, my pr- professors were quite flexible, but like I let this completely derail my f- first year at university. Like it knocked the wind right out of me. There was also other stuff going on in my life at that point in time. My beloved grandmother was diagnosed at that Christmas time with brain cancer and by March 17th she had passed away so there was a lot going on in my family but when I tell you I was not processing what was going on with my grandma because I was so obsessed with this relationship situation um, it's embarrassing to admit that truly like I'm you know grandma and I have made our peace I've had lots of visits from her, um, both in my dreams and in like psychic readings, and I love her dearly. Um, But yeah, I was not my best self during that period of time in my life. I remember my grandpa. (laughs) He's so cute. My little Italian grandpa. He pulled me aside at one family get together, you know, while we were hanging out and he knew I was struggling and he just said, Danica, I know you're going through a tough time. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes is any of it as hard as this? And he kind of waved his hand to like where grandma was and everybody there and trying to help her because she was, it was brain cancer. So she was also loopy, right? And I just felt so small in that moment because logically, I absolutely knew what he was saying is true, but emotionally, I could not get there. I was so wrapped up in it. I was like, it is that hard. Like in my heart, that's what I was feeling. But obviously I just went, no. And and I appreciated his attempt at trying to kind of console me or make me feel better. But I actually felt worse because I was like, oh my God, Danica, get a grip. Get a grip of yourself over this situation. I, I just, I couldn't. It didn't help that we were on and off communication, I would like block him out and then find a way back in. And it was really, it was messy. It was not a clean break. We spent the whole next year sort of on and off. And then the year after that, my third year in university, I went to Mexico and I can honestly say I made that choice to get away from the situation. Like, yes, I wanted the experience. Yes, Spanish was my degree, um, but I needed something different because another year sort of going back and forth and wanting to see the people in the social circle and then just wanting to avoid them. Like I avoided parties. I avoided certain spots. Like I just seeing him would ruin my whole day and I would obsess over it. And it was so toxic and so consuming. Oh my gosh. I like my body. I can feel my body dysregulating right now, even talking about it because it was just so unhealthy. 
Um, and Mexico ended up being a great choice. It was so much fun. I'm so glad I went. So I'm thankful for that. But let's get into why it knocked me off my feet so hard. I mean, you kind of heard already the part about where it's like I was placing this desire to be desired all on him and being wanted by him. And then when that got taken away, I was like, oh gosh, like this girl, this cool girl, this young woman in university who I thought I was like, she ain't it. You're still that sad little high school girl that like nobody wanted. (laughs) And part of it was that, but part of it was also that I had no coping skills, none whatsoever. I led, and I've talked about this in my podcast before, a charmed life. I had a wonderful childhood, wonderful parents. I did not have any massive deaths to deal with outside of the normal ones, you know, ones in the community or like a grandparent. Actually, at that point in time, that grandma that was passing away was my first one at like 20, you know, a pet here and there. But truly, I hadn't had anything that was that substantial So I had no coping skills. I had absolutely no idea how to get myself through an emotionally difficult time. Whenever things were difficult at home, it was like I could talk to my mom and cry about it or my sister or my friends and move on. I just, I hadn't really had that yet. And like I said at the top of the episode, I recognize how pathetic that kind of sounds. And you know what though? I I don't want to apologize for that. I'm so thankful my parents gave me the childhood that they did. I'm so thankful that I had the support system and um, I got to just sort of grow up unbothered and happy most of the time. But it, it did not prepare me for what I was going through. I, I couldn't deal. And all I was dealing with was a relationship coming to an end. That was it. Like, But it was so much deeper than that. And I will get to that. And I will say that looking back now, I find it absolutely insane that at no point in those few years did I look inward about it. Did I question if my heartbroken reaction was normal? I just was like, well, when you're that in love, you know, this is what it feels like to be heartbroken. You know, I was the cliche listening to all these wistful songs, (laughs) sad songs, like... And just thinking that, of course, that's just how it how it is. And the person that I am today, basically everything I do now, I look inwards and I'm like, why is this happening to me? Honestly, like I get a runny nose and I'm like, hmm, am I stressed? Have I been neglecting myself? Like I'm so self-reflective. And I would get so defensive back then when people in my life would maybe suggest that the way I was taking the breakup was not super normal. I was so self-righteous in my feelings about it. It was silly. And it was obviously this fear of even taking myself into account. I just wanted to place all the bril- all the blame on him. And I wanted to kind of feel wronged and therefore justified in my position. I, I didn't look at how I was playing into the dynamic, how I fueled the fire what I was feeling was yes about him, but it took me until recently to discover that I wasn't just feeling that way about the loss of him and that relationship. It was, as I sort of mentioned, the loss of an identity, but it also hearkened back to something that happened in my childhood that 
It took me until an embarrassing amount of time later to draw parallels between the two situations and then therefore get some insight and understanding as to why I was just such a lunatic about the whole situation. I'm really excited and honored to say that today's episode is sponsored by Van Isle Hairstyle, a hair care and accessory brand that promotes healthy hair and is home to the original zipper scrunchie and silk heatless curl set. Amanda, the founder of Van Isle Hairstyle, is the epitome of a manifester in human design. She was going for a run one day and didn't have anywhere to put her keys, so she followed her manifester urge when she got home and sewed herself the zipper scrunchie, and thus Van Isle Hairstyle was born. Beyond adorable accessories like clips, claws, and scrunchies, she now creates her own shampoo and conditioner, scalp scrub, and more. Her products are paraben, sulfate, silicone, and phthalate-free, cruelty-free, and vegan. I swear only a manifester would decide to make her own shampoo. You guys, the scalp scrub is an absolute must, and I also love her shampoo and conditioner. My hair feels so clean and silky after, and it smells really, really good. I can't finish this ad without talking about the heatless curl set, however. This is a game changer for your hairstyle. Zero heat, and you have beautiful beachy curls that last all day. It's a regular in my routine. For Raise the Room listeners, Amanda has gifted you a 15% code to use on her website, vanislehairstyle.com. That's V-A-N-I-S-L-E-H-A-I-R-S-T-Y-L-E.com. Just use the code RTR15 to claim. That's RTR15. So let's raise the room with a good hair day. Thanks, Amanda. So during this time of turmoil in my life, I did see a counselor. Um, I saw one on campus. And then when I was back home and not attending university, um, I saw a counselor there pretty regularly. And the focus in therapy was a lot about just like building my own confidence and kind of having like a fuck it attitude. (laughs) Like, I don't need you. Like, I'm great. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, not in that cliche way, but just really the focus for the therapist that I was seeing was to just build myself up. And I understand where she was coming from because it was very clear that I had put so much of my own self-worth outside of myself. But none of it actually really connected anything back to my childhood and a, a wound that this whole dynamic was touching, was triggering. It wasn't until I joined To Be Magnetic, which is a manifestation company, but it's really all about subconscious reprogramming. So it's about reprogramming the neural pathways in our brain um, to help us get rid of our limiting beliefs so that we can have what we want and be who we want. It's a really wonderful um, program to kind of get curious about yourself and and heal some old shit, you know, and in the meantime, you can pull in some really great things. I have found it to be an extremely powerful practice. They have you journal and answer questions. And then they also have you do these like deep meditations or visualizations. And you go in and whatever your focus is for the day, you think about um, a situation that was problematic. And then you kind of 
try and rewire it, rewire the belief. Anyways, I'm not going to get fully into how it's all done, the method, because it's not mine to share, but it's I highly recommend it for anybody that's curious about sort of starting their own healing journey or wanting to break up some patterning that they have going on in their life. But it wasn't until then that I truly understood why I was so knocked down by this breakup. Like, obviously I got married, had kids. I mean, I moved on (laughs) and it wasn't something that was sad to think about or anything like that. I mean, it's been literally years and years. I'm 36 now. Um, But I didn't do this TBM program until a couple of years ago and I had a big epiphany about it then. And I had many epiphanies about many things, about body image, about my own self-worth, like a lot of stuff. But um, this relationship definitely came up. And it was talking about a time where you felt, I can't remember what it was, if it was rejected or something like that. But immediately that was the first situation that came to mind. And then they had you try and locate a time in your childhood where you may have felt similarly. Now, obviously, I wasn't having romantic relationships in my childhood, but I had to take that wound, that feeling of heartbreak, that feeling of rejection and and kind of see if there was anything like that in my childhood. And I was in the meditation. So you're in a very relaxed state and you're it's easier to access your memories. And immediately I went back to when I was about 11 years old and my group of friends decided they didn't want to be friends with me anymore. It had been like a a year long struggle where I definitely felt like I was being picked on by the girls that I hung out with. And yes, I'm very sensitive. This is my truth of the situation. But there was a lot of stuff like, you know, ruining the stuff in my desk or like chalking my sweatshirt one time and just being mean, just all the things that you can think of that come to mind when a female relationship goes sour. And we now know the term relational aggression, which is called sort of like social bullying or non-physical bullying. And it's typically um, done by girls and it's about, you know, establishing status. And it's what a lot of us have felt or been a part of or or done. I mean, I've definitely been the receiver and the giver of this where it's like you're manipulating the situation to hurt somebody. Um, Even just the definition I'm looking up quickly here, it says relational aggression is a covert set of manipulative behaviors used to hurt someone through damage to relationships, threats or of harm or both. It's a non-physical form of bullying. I also just think as a teacher, it's really important to note that the term bullying gets overused a ton. Like kids are mean and sometimes kids are just mean. Bullying is a very specific thing. Bullying is repetitive meanness over time and there has to be or is a power imbalance. Somebody of seemingly more power, whether it's physical or social or whatever, is targeting somebody of a lesser status. And I do feel it's important to say that because we all do experience being on the receiving end of somebody being mean at some point in time, but that does not mean that we were bullied. 
I can look back now as an adult and a teacher, somebody who's witnessed this a lot, and truly say it was bullying. There was one particular ringleader that led the cause on putting me on the outs, and it was targeted, it was repetitive, and it just very much fit that pattern. So I went through that in that grade. I literally one day, after a year of putting up with with it and feeling sad and and then having moments where I was mean and aggressive to try and get, you know, scramble back up to the top. I remember so clearly sitting in my sixth grade portable classroom and one of my friends passes me a note that says, um, lists six names, six different girl names. We don't want to be friends with you anymore. Sorry. Sad face. And it was just such a key moment in my childhood because it was like, shit, like I have been feeling this. I've been on the receiving end of the meanness for months now, but this really solidifies it, you know? And yeah, like that feeling of rejection just really took root there. And it didn't help that in that year I was quite heavy. Like I definitely took on some emotional eating behaviors that year. I also like got my period, got acne. I was, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was a rough year for me, grade six. And it didn't help that I was the only one going through those issues. I was young for sure for all of that to be happening. I mean, maybe somebody else had one or two of those things, but not all three. And so physically on the outside, I was feeling awful, but then also emotionally on the inside, I was not okay. And even though I was super close with my parents, like I didn't think to tell them any of it. I think I was probably embarrassed that it was happening, but I was also embarrassed about how like mean we were to each other in general. Like I think that I was worried that I would maybe get in trouble or something just because of how we all spoke to each other. I knew that it wasn't appropriate. So yeah, I just kept it inside and kept sort of ignoring it and not wanting it to be true. And then one day, <laughs> okay, I actually remember this story too. My mom um, volunteered to drive for a field trip and it was like, we all got placed in different cars and I was not placed with my friends in my car. It was like me and a couple of um, kids that I, you know, was nice to, but they weren't, weren't my friends. It was a couple of boys. And I guess in the car, we were laughing about how in the portable, we kept a water cooler because we didn't have a sink up there. And it, one of the classroom chores was to fill up the water cooler each week and how we had taken to spitting in the water cooler because there was only like one or two kids that actually drank from it. Oh, this is so awful. And I guess we were laughing about that in, in the van and I don't remember, but my mom approached me after school and she was just like, Danica, have you guys been spitting in the water cooler? Like she was straight horrified. And just like feeling slightly in trouble for my mother. So somebody that did not get in trouble, I just immediately broke down and I was like, people have been so mean to me this year. And I just sobbed and kind of let it all spill out. And it was one of those things where my parents really encouraged me, like us, you know, to have a sit down meeting with my friends because our parents were friends and talk it out. And I'll never forget my dad saying to me like, because I, I fought them on it. I was like, no, I do not want to bring any attention to this. I do not want to talk about this at all, right? Um, I just sort of wanted the comfort of my parents at home and I would just muddle through at school. 
And my dad said to me, Danica, like this thing that's going on, it's like having a gaping opened wound on wound on your forearm. It's like anything as little as a breath of air is going to hurt. You know, it's like you not dealing with it. Anything that's slightly negative, slightly rude, slightly whatever from these people, you're going to take as a slight. You're going to feel offended and hurt by. It needs to be dealt with. So we did. And I mean, I ended up sort of having a different group of friends the next year and it was all fine. Like it all ended up being totally fine, but it was definitely defining moments in my in my childhood, like a lot of the things that I remember going on that year and yeah, just the feeling of being on the outs. I know that all of us in some capacity or another can probably identify with that, but why I'm sharing all of this is because in that to be, uh, to be magnetic programming, I realized that I had sort of relived that rejection when I got dumped and I went right back to that like losery, chubby, (laughs) zitty 11-year-old girl that just felt completely on the outs of the group. And in the journaling and digging deeper of it all, it made me realize how many of my lifelong insecurities really took root that year as an 11-year-old and weren't really ever dealt with. Like I think I just let them fester and would have flare-ups of situations that made me feel worse about myself and then I would coast and feel fine about myself. But all of a sudden being rejected by the person that I, you know, I thought the sun shot out his ass was the moment that I just went right back. My inner child was like, so taken aback and sad about it all. I'm going to be honest, I just paused and had a moment where I needed to take a deep breath because I'm battling my ego right now, my ego that, you know, it wants to just keep us small and keep us safe. And there is something that feels so unsafe about sharing all of this for a number of reasons. Like number one, these are just deeply personal things and memories and things that I haven't shared with anybody really. Um, I mean, some of it I have, but all in this context, I haven't. And then my ego is also telling me that this is not a worthy story to tell that like (laughs) people are going to read the title of my episode and be like, oh my God, she's talking about a breakup. This is so pathetic. And she's talking about kids being mean to her as an elementary school student. Like that is so pathetic. And Maybe it is, but so far in my life, aside from parenting, because parenting has definitely been the next hardest thing, um, these were my formative experiences. I mean, obviously along with other stuff, but these were the wounds that struck deep for whatever reason. For the person that I am, these rejections really hit hard. Probably it's just my ego trying to make me second guess myself and that probably means that all the more reason I need to talk about it and get it out of here. (laughs) All right. I definitely think there's some sort of a lesson here in all that we've talked about. Actually, I know there is. This is why I'm talking about it. When we're going through something that feels absolutely earth shattering or 
not so much. Something that's just hard. I think it's important to actually try and figure out if you've ever felt that way before or felt similarly before because sometimes it's really going back to some sort of childhood wound. And here's the thing about childhood wounds. A lot of them are seemingly from our adult mind, like not bad, (laughs) you know, like these things that stick out in our minds, little silly moments that we remember that as an adult, you're like, well, that can't be it. That can't be the, the, the moment that this lifelong insecurity took place. Like that can't be where it came from. But often it is because our little pure childhood souls, you know, we're imprinted with things that, that hurt. And even though our logical brain now doesn't think it hurts that much, we do internalize it as a little kid. And it's a big deal to us then, even if we don't consciously in the moment maybe realize it's a big deal. We just immediately kind of go, it's okay because we want to feel safe. We want to feel accepted. So just beware if you do start to do this and question like, okay, I feel insecure right now. When have I felt insecure like this before? And whatever pops into your brain, even if it's seemingly small, there's something there. It came to the surface of your mind for a reason. And I would encourage you to do a little journaling, maybe wonder if it's a learned behavior from somebody in your family, if it's a wound that they've had and have projected onto you. Maybe it's reminiscent of or touching on some fear that you have that you haven't addressed yet. There's a lot to be said for these like small moments in time (laughs) that do end up being really formative. And then the power lies in being able to kind of take that understanding and shift your patterning for the next time. So the next time that I get rejected by something or somebody, I'm going to have way better coping skills because I understand myself so much better than I did back then. I have the supports. I have the trust in myself. Yeah, it'll probably still hurt. Like, don't get me wrong. I want you guys to like me. <laughs> like, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not out here saying that I'm an island on my own and I'm fine whether you like me or hate me. I'm not. Like, I, I do want that acceptance. But when I don't get it, it's not going to mean that I like drop out of fucking university again. <laughs> Okay, that's a really dramatic way to say it because I didn't drop out. I still continued my studies, but just from home like a loser. And then the other piece I'll say, the other piece of learning that definitely came from me going through that experience was the sense of empathy for people and how you just never really can understand what it is that they're going through. I think, and I know, um, I was an unaligned projector prior to that relationship and I was like the friend that people would come to for advice and I just thought I was great at giving advice and I was so wise and blah 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 like (laughs) I was so high on myself and I think I definitely belittled some of the people in my life's problems people that I loved and even though I was always empathetic and always sensitive I just didn't have any true sort of heartbreak or grief to stand on to really understand in a way that meant something where people were coming from. So the other thing that I really took from this heartbreak and that experience was empathy for people when they're going through a hard time. It's just like, okay, I I truly can't know what it is they're going through, even though I can feel it 
a little bit. And I'll just take that and be kind and understand that we all have different timing for things. I consciously knew it took me way too long to move on from that relationship, to get my claws out of what I was so desperately holding on to in an effort to not have to look inward and not have to look at myself and evaluate how I perpetuated the on and off cycle and how I, you know, poured all the blame outwards instead of taking any responsibility. It took way too long, like way too long. But hey, life is not about regretting. <laughs> I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. And as much as my ego wishes that I dealt with it in a different way and I wasn't so like pathetic about it all, I know that it was meant to happen that way. I really do trust that now. And I think that for most of us, we're meant to experience what we're experiencing in our life for our own soul's growth. And I do say that with kindness and love, especially to the people who have had extreme hardships or are in the throes of grief or have been, um, I fully recognize my position that I haven't been there in that capacity yet. (laughs) And I don't want to come across unsensitive as like um, saying something like it was all meant to be or, (laughs) you know, it was all part of life's destiny. I can understand how there are situations where that just simply does not feel true. And I honor that and I completely respect it for me and for my life thus far at this moment in time. I do feel like the experiences that were given are given to us so that we can grow and learn from them. My like pathetic rock bottom took me so long to grow and learn from because I just refused to look at myself. So above everything, what I take away from that situation is like always first evaluate what you're bringing to the table. (laughs) What are you bringing to the room here that's helping create this dynamic? Because we all play a role. We're all just energetic bodies having an experience here. And whether it's a negative thing or not, like we're contributing to it. Obviously, with the exception of something really tragic just like happening to us, you know, like a complete 180 in your life um, where you don't actually play a role in that. But I'm getting in the weeds here. I think just the bottom line is be self-reflective, be self-aware, and you're going to get through things much more quickly, much more seamlessly and come out better on the other side of it having actually like squeezed what you needed to squeeze out of that experience. Okay, we're coming to the end of all of this here and I'm feeling like I'm missing something or like I need to wrap this up somehow. I mean, update, I have no ill will against any of the people that I spoke about tonight. Like if and maybe when I run into any of them, whether it was from the story from when I was around 20 or the story from when I'm I was around 11, like there's no ill will. I would be happy to just say, hey, how's it going and catch up. It's all so in the past. And I mean, even a couple of the girls that were minor players in the original story are like in my life today. So it's all come around full circle as life often does. So next week I am on a camping vacation with my family. So I'm just going to say it right here. I won't have a podcast ready. (laughs) Um, and that's next week, July something, first week of July. I don't even know. 
I actually have no idea how I'm going to get ready for a week-long camping trip while I'm my husband's away currently and it's my last week of work leading up to it. I mean, who knows how anything's really going to get done. So a podcast, it's it's not happening. I wish I had something banked, but I don't. So stay tuned for middle of July 2023 when things start up again. And just to wrap things up with a little bit of a bow, when we roomies are curious about ourselves, when we're reflective and when we take accountability for the situations that we are a part of, we will always raise a room. Thank you for joining me and I look forward to talking to you again um, sometime in the future (laughs) when time permits. I love you roomies. Talk soon. Thank you so much for spending your precious time here with me today. If you'd like more, please follow along at raise.the.room on both Instagram and TikTok. Or you can go to my website, danicamarie.com. That's Danica with a C. Here you can book a human design session with me for you or your child, or you can get one of my human design parenting courses that helps you understand your child's human design type. They're designed to help you work with the child you have instead of against them. And finally, if you're still here, this would be the point where I'd ask you to rate and review the podcast, except just saying it out loud makes me want to die. So instead, I'll say, please share with a friend. I'd really appreciate it. And finally, let's always remember that with all that you have to offer, you will always race the room. Can't wait to chat soon. Bye.